Hi, this is John Cackley with Centric Biz and Tech Talks. Today I'm talking with my colleague Hillary Lee about the challenging topic of deciding to remove someone from your project team. I appreciated your article so much because I legitimately, this is, it, it's just funny because it's especially in the line of, of, of work that I do most with our clients, John, it's literally one of those topics that nobody ever wants to talk about. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's even, it could be on, you know, about contractors or it could be about employees. They, you know, they constantly are looking at it as, it's almost like, like a, like the elephant in the room that nobody ever wants to address, ever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then I have had clients who've been on the polar opposite, you know, and, and are kind of extremists, right? They, they, oh, I don't like this person, let's get rid of them. You know, well, wait, 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 you know, wait a minute, what's, what's happened? But that's a very rare. Most of the time, it's, in my experience, it's been, oh, my gosh, why? You're sitting there, you're scratching your head going, why is this person still here? Right? <laughs> you come onto the scene, you're like, how did this even happen? Um, how is this person still here? And it's, I think, the biggest thing for me that I've noticed is that folks just, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. And they certainly don't want to have any, like, organized, constructed approach or process to when you need to have a changing of the guard. So, so why do you think people are so afraid to talk about it? I think they're afraid to talk about it, honestly, because, one, I, I definitely agree with your point. This is one of those things that isn't actually very well taught. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't have a course in grad school or in college, you know, that really says, what do you do when your team really sucks and you need to remove people, right? <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have positive topics around how to be an effective leader, how to team manage, you know, how do you deal with some challenging behavior. But, like, you don't actually have a court, at least I've not seen one that literally says, Hey, in this class, in this you know, this course or this topic, we're really going to talk about what do you do when you need to remove someone, right? I mean, unless you are a purist on the HR side, and you've been, you know, you're on the higher fire side, right? Which is right. few and far between, right? And that's usually a mechanical discussion, not a yeah. is this the time to make the change, right? Discussion. Not a strategy discussion. So. I think I think first thing is that, you know, they're definitely not educated about it. I think the second thing is that it is this topic that really makes people feel bad. And I don't want to sound like I don't have a heart um, by any means, but it is a topic that inherently people don't want to talk about because they're uncomfortable about it. And I have taken clients before through that discussion, and it's, very clear to me that we need to have the discussion, right? And everybody right. just starts to it's almost like it's almost like a kind of sharks circling in a water or, or dolphins <laughs> circling in the water. Like you everybody knows that that probably needs to be talked about, but nobody wants to be the first person to raise it. They don't want to get the stigma that they're, you know, they're this person who's thinking, you know, oh, they're the battle axe. And it's funny because I actually just had a, a conversation with a good friend of ours, and he had to take his team through um, a reduction in force. And it was legitimately a reduction in force. Now, this was not a 
you've not been performing or you right. have bad behavior, I need to make a change. This wasn't that. This was a true reduction in force. And even though it was a true reduction in force, he was, he, he was sick about it. He was absolutely sure. sick about it. And I think it's because it pulls on those heartstrings and it gets to the fact that you're talking about um, people's livelihood. And nobody wants to be responsible for changing that, to be honest. So I think it's, I think it's, I think it's those two factors. I also think that if the, con, if the client or the, the organizational environment is not one where kind of open and transparent conversations are really, really encouraged, so much that a conversation of such where, hey, we need to talk about what needs to change with this team from a personnel perspective. If that's not a conversation that's inherently encouraged and and supported in that environment, people are not going to raise their hands and just start having that. They, they, they won't. And I think, I think that factors into it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there are a couple of things. The, the culture is big, and it's not just – comfort level of having a discussion, I think there's also a comfort level around, or, or a cultural element, I should say, around if somebody isn't fitting in, whose fault is it? And a lot of times they want to point back at the manager, well, you right. should be coaching this person. or do, And I think there's a whole thing I could do about, yeah. you know, when people are having performance issues, what are commonalities to that? And a lot of times it's not the person, it's it's how they get managed or, or to me the distance yep. between the person and the manager. But the other thing that I've I've seen I was on a, a client that was actually quite quick to pull the trigger on, on mm -hmm. project changes in a way that was rather surprising to me. But there was a, a woman who was sort of the overall team coach who helped mm -hmm. onboard people and all, but she came to be known as the person who fired people. And yes. it didn't really hurt her. I mean, it was not how she saw herself at all, and she did yeah. so much more for the project, but it was you know, really bothered her that that's the way people saw her. And so oh. nobody wants to get seen that way. Absolutely, absolutely. Nobody, nobody wants to have that. That's they have that fear of the stigma, and they don't want to be attached to that stigma. And it is something that you know people. I mean, they do feel very, very, very bad about. Um, I, I think it's it's interesting because I know from my own experience that I've taken organizations through a lot of reorganizations and there were places at times when there was a large, you know, reductions in forces and things like that. And it's, it's, um, that's really, really hard. But I, I have to tell you, I've had a lot of conversations too, John, with clients where we start going down the whole coaching and development kind of realm. And, and it really comes down to, for me, helping them understand there's if, if it's not a reduction in force and there needs to be a change, there's one of two problems. You either have a behavior problem or you have mm -hmm. a performance problem. And it's, it's always going to be one or the two, right? Performance could be the person's maybe not getting the right coaching. I agree with that. Also could be, hey, they've uh, overstated uh, their resume, maybe. <laughs> And actually, I, I bring this up because this is a recent example. We had a client who had gone through this. Uh, they, the employee had overstated their resume and had said they had uh, a lot of vast experience that they didn't actually possess. And so it wasn't necessarily what you would describe as like a blatant lie, uh, but it was certainly an overstatement. And so what was happening from a performance perspective is all these things that the client thought this person A should really know what they're doing and they didn't mm -hmm. because they hadn't actually done it right so so 
you've got the performance of the whole need to be coached. I, I know what I'm doing. I just need some, some direction. And then you've got the whole, I actually don't know what I'm doing. I need a lot of coaching, right? And I, I think it's really interesting because on the whole coaching and development, talked a lot of, to clients about this too, that is a tremendous amount of resources. So I always am very, very careful with the whole coaching thing because it says, I'm really looking at, okay, what's your risk if this person leaves? What's the risk to the organization? What's the risk to the project, right? How much is it costing clients or the organization based on, you know, person's salary or, you know, having all of these other folks having to maybe redo work or spending all of this time coaching. And it's not a, not in the sense that I think, John, that you have to say coaching is really, really bad, but I think you have to really assess whether it's coaching is, is a valid uh, option in that case. Sure. And I right. really think a lot of clients want to say, Hill, I think this, this, this person on this project team needs to be coached, and I think it'll fix. It'll all be fixed. And that will only happen if that person's willing to be coached and is admitting to themselves that they need, they need that guidance, right? Because right. um, I can also tell you I've had executives where they've been on what you would describe as performance improvement plans within their organizations and take them through an entire coaching plan have a whole plan, we, we, we execute it, we're working on the coaching, all of that, and you know what, they literally, I literally had this, this individual did absolutely nothing that was expected, didn't do anything. So in that case for me, it was a, it was more, we started moving into a behavior issue. I'm getting, when I think of sort of the morale of a team, you, you've mm -hmm. got a project team, you come and say, hey, this person is not performing, you remove them. And assuming you're doing everything right, but of course, it being HR, this is mostly happening in secret as far as the team is concerned. So they walk in one day and like, mm -hmm. well, Frank's gone. You know, what? What happened to Frank? And so how worried are you about a morale effect? Or, or maybe it's the other way around. You go, hey, people know what's, uh, people know who's good on our team. And if somebody's leaving, who's not pulling up their, uh, pulling their weight, uh, it'll be a a benefit because people think that now that they're really being evaluated, you know, being properly appraised. I mean, what, what do you think in that? I, I constantly, I think you constantly have to think about the morale issue and, and really, I think a, a couple of things. One, assess from where you're coming from. So if that organization has been through a lot of recent personnel changes, probably you're going to have some folks that are getting a little bit anxious, right? You're, you're going to need to be um, a little bit more uh, cautious around that and, and respectful to it. Now, if you're on a project team and everybody knows that Frank, right, he's not been pulling his weight, right, or let's say that, you know, um, I've seen this on, on QA and development teams, here's an example, they're not doing the development that they were supposed to do and letting the whole rest of their, their agile team down. Right. <laughs> they're just... You know, they're, they're, they're on their computer, but they're on, like, YouTube or something, right? It's easier in a situation where everybody is, frankly, seeing the effects of Frank not performing, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, Frank also has a behavior issue. Everybody also knows about that because, frankly, nobody, nobody wants to work with someone who really doesn't want to be there, right? Or if they're, 
you know, whatever their behavior issue might might be doing might might be dealing with, that's going to affect the rest of the team. So I really think that in terms of you know kind of the morale of the, of the project team, it's very much a thinking through what what's the right strategy? Do you backfill? You know, how do you make the remaining team members understand that, you know, they're valued, they need to keep doing their work, you're going to, you know, this is, you know, this changes to make things for the better without getting into confidential conversations. The other thing that I would say is that morale, morale stays more consistent, more positive when you are dealing with a behavior or performance issue, to be honest, because it is generally an isolated individual. Oh, I, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, if it's not I arbitrary, morale concerns yeah. when organizations are going through reductions and enforce and reorganizations one right after another. That's when I've seen what I would describe as a cultural morale problem, right? Um, but on the project team, and that's the thing is, if, if this is if the team is really operating the way they should be, everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing, and everybody also knows who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But it's, it's still interesting, even on the project team, though, it's still interesting because it's still not a topic that people will bring up, even though you all know. <laughs> you know, it's like sitting in the, your project status meetings, right, and you're, you're with the project manager, and everybody knows that Frank didn't deliver once again. Everybody knows, but nobody's going to say, nobody wants to bring it up, you know, nobody wants to kind of, Glom on to, hey, I think we have a problem with Frank. You so, know, so whose job on a project do you think it is to say that? I mean, it's. So um, I definitely look at it and from a multitude of perspective. First of all, I look at the peers should be giving each other feedback. And if you're in a if you're in a a good environment, right, a, a good project team, you should be able to give each other constructive feedback, and and that should be able to 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 really open up that dialogue. So here's an example, right? If I'm going to be testing what Frank was supposed to develop, I would say, Frank, hey, I, I haven't gotten your build yet. Um, when are you going to be done with it? Because we, you know, go live is in two weeks and I need to get through all my scripts. Mm -hmm. Here's it. That's a simple, simple question in your project status meeting that your QA lead could have with, you know, developer Frank or whatever. And so there's 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 that peer aspect that you I would love I like to be able to have that happen on my project teams right. There's also the the whole fact that the project manager or your project you know your program manager your lead whoever's leading the pro project or the program to be able to also know okay what's the feedback that I'm hearing from the project and what you know what's my impression what's going on. Um, what am I hearing from our business stakeholders? Things like that. So it's, it's also, I mean, ultimately, I think it comes down to it's, it's, it is a shared responsibility in the sense that everybody is trying to get to that, that whatever the goal of that project is, right? That end goal. Everyone's trying to get there, and the team all has to work together to get there and hold each other accountable. But if, you, if you're looking for that kind of like one one throat to choke, it's still going to be that project lead. And, and I've looked at it when I've said, you know what, this individual is not working, <laughs> and you know it's it's not it's not working. And we've you know I tried to have the feedback conversations 
Um, I've tried, you know, you try multiple different ways to get through to the person. Because really at the end of the day, John, the person makes a decision whether, you know, they decide whether they want to change or not. It, right. Do they it, ask for help? Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So you have to decide. There has to be a decision point. You, you as the project manager um, or your program manager, you have to know, okay, what is my timeline for deciding whether I can keep Frank? Or I need right. I need to backfill Frank. What is that? And and you know, you know, as a project manager, you're gonna know your timelines, you're gonna know the requirements, you're gonna you're gonna know, you know, your resource strain, right? Your resource burn. You're gonna know what you're gonna need to have to get to that end state. Um, and I think you carefully evaluate that. And I think if you if you're feeling like okay, this is this is just not gonna work because Frank's not being Frank's not getting what we need done done. I think you pull the trigger, okay. you know, and I think you come up with your strategy of how you're gonna still get the work done with without Frank, whether it's an, a new resource, right, or it's a extending the timeline, or it's a redistribution of the work. However, it might be. I think you definitely have to have that strategy before you you actually move to the removing of Frank. That has to happen. Yeah, so here's another scenario to this. You've got mm -hmm. somebody, maybe it's this person you've described who maybe overstated the resume. Uh, mm -hmm. I've seen it occasionally. You have somebody who's, who's in a project manager role, and you realize, hey, this person cannot manage a project. Right. But they could be a BA. Yep. So would you, what, uh, taking a total hypothetical here, would you rather take this person as a PM and just say, hey, we're, we'd better be better off cutting ties, or would you think it's, or would you say, hey, it's worth a gamble to keep some of their knowledge and modify their role? So the modification of the role, another thing I've had to I've had to do and, and also had had take clients through that. So how do you take someone who's you know in, in a higher level role and, and move them to a lesser lesser responsibility in terms of, of the role? And really honestly, it comes down to one thing. How accepting that person is and has been towards you around the feedback. If this is somebody who has a huge ego and has not been very uh, accepting of your feedback and receptive when you try to have those conversations. So, for example, you know, hey, I'm I'm doing the best the best that I can. Uh, I know that I'm I'm struggling a bit, and I appreciate you, you know, still taking some time to give me some coaching. Okay, that person's probably would be open to maybe being a BA instead of being a project manager. But if you have the conversation where someone says, "Hey, you know what? I'm perfect. All of you are wrong. I have nothing that I need to fix." That person is not going to be is not going to be accepting it. So really, honestly, I think it looks at you. You have to assess the situation and decide on that person's disposition. And here's the other thing that I've done and it works pretty well, is if you do think that this is someone who would be accepting of a lesser role, it's literally just having the conversation with them and saying, you know, hey, this is not looking like it's working out very well. I know you've been frustrated, and I know the team's been frustrated. I want to make you successful. I need to put you in a different role. You're still bringing value to the team, but what do you think about this? And have them honestly think about it. You know, now obviously, sure. John, I will tell you 
that's only you can only go that route. You can only go rule modification if you have a performance issue. If you have a behavior issue, generally you're just out. (laughs) All right, this has been awesome. I mean, just do you have any other tips about making a change in the team? Yeah, for sure. I think honestly, John, my my biggest tip is is us as consultants, but also with your clients to not be afraid of of having the conversation and having the confidence to bring it up. Of course, it needs to be in a respectful, safe, uh, you know, environment. But I think it's 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 something that you know you will find. At least I have that clients who aren't comfortable having the conversation will start to appreciate that if if you if that is a conversation that you need to have. Um, so I think it's just having the courage to know when you really do need to make a change and what the steps are, what you might need to do uh, within within that organization to, to make the change. This has been Centric's Biz and Tech Talks. Thanks to Hillary Lee for joining me, and thank you for listening.